0: uh tonight we're finishing up advent because next week is christmas so um it's it's really exciting advent uh to me is a very special time it's a time when we recognize um not that jesus is coming for christmas but that because he already did that but that jesus is coming again and so we're waiting we're in this stage of just waiting and waiting and waiting And uh, we're waiting for Christ to return. Um, And so we have the story of Simeon tonight and his waiting. And we're going to kind of spend some time thinking about about what that is like, what it's like to be waiting. Um, When I was a kid, I wanted a slot car racetrack set. And... um, and that that's really what I wanted. And Batman gets it, yes. Uh, slot cars were amazing toys. Uh, there were whole stores dedicated to slot car racing. And, and you'd go there and they'd have these elaborate tracks like that, even more hu- huge ones. And, and you'd race your cars against other people and you'd race against your friends. And, and you'd buy slot cars and you'd trade them and you'd... You'd take them apart and put them back together and make them faster if you were smart i wasn't but um and all every kid like almost every kid i knew had a slot car set and they'd have a racetrack it's i don't know what the current fads are but nothing was as cool as slot cars okay just whatever current things are they pale in comparison to slot car racing so um so I wanted a slot car. I wanted one really bad. I wanted this racetrack set. I, I wanted to set it up. I, even Dennis, the kid behind that lived in the house behind us, they were poor as we were, and he had a slot car racetrack set. But mom and dad did not think that that was an important thing for me to have. For some reason, they just did not understand how important it was for me to have a slot car race set. So I would pray. I prayed that one would just miraculously appear, Um, but we never exchanged presents on Christmas, so it wasn't likely I was going to get one for a present. Um, So it would just have to fall out of heaven, basically, is what was going to have to happen, and it was just going to have to appear somehow, and it didn't. And then the fad, like all fads, eventually passed, and some new thing came along, and and took its place, um, this morning someone mentioned pet rocks, you know, um, pet rocks were a little less than that, okay, just, just so you know, um, so the fad passed, and I forgot all about it, I forgot what, what it was about, but I didn't really forget, because, um, somehow it became sort of a symbol in my life of, um, of things that I hoped for that I could have that would come um, but I missed out on, things that I was denied, things things that I just didn't get, things that were hoped for but never came true. Years later, when I was in my 30s and I had sons of my own, I was talking at a family gathering about um, just the... The idea that that we kind of go through these fads and these things, and how much I had wanted a slot car racetrack set and had never gotten one, and that Christmas, I opened a package from my mother in law of all people, and there in the box was this huge <laughs> slot car racetrack set <laughs> with really good cars and I was so excited. 38, 40 years old. I don't know how old I was. I I set it up on our screen porch and I spent many happy hours um, with my sons, of course. Uh, It's all about Justin and Derek. (laughs) Uh, But, see, I had to wait like 30 years. But that longing for a race car set was finally met. Um... Some dog, this is a dog, a puppy, and then it grew and it grew, and it 's still waiting for a treat right i uh, <laughs> same exact pose it 's never moved, right, but it 's gotten old right and and we 're kind of like that i I hate to wait i waiting just sucks the life out of me. it really does i I hate waiting in line, matter of fact, one of the little disciplines i 've been doing um lately as I whenever I'm at the grocery store or somewhere you have to stand in line I go pick the longest line just to force myself just to kind of discipline myself into doing that instead of trying to find the. because basically any line I stand in is going to be the longest line anyway because there's going to be something wrong with the cash register or whatever but but nonetheless I, I, I've just tried to discipline but I hate that I hate waiting I hate waiting for what I want I hate waiting for a slot car race set I, I I hate waiting uh, waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> you know? Um, Mom used to say, just wait until your father gets home. That was not a good thing to wait for. It's weird because Mom Mom did all the punishing of us. Dad, Dad never really did much of punishment. He, he would give us um, the deeply disappointed dad look. Have you ever had one of those, uh, the deeply disappointed dad look, where they kind of just shake their head and, uh, you know, he would give us that. That, that was actually worse punishment than my, than my mom making, you know, spanking us or telling us that we had to do our brother's chores for a week or whatever. Uh, anyway, waiting was painful and it was... Uh, exhausting, and, and I just wanted things to be over. i That's the kind of waiting, I think, that we think of when we wait. It's a fearful waiting, or an impatient waiting, or a sort of hopeless waiting. We're not good at waiting, because waiting requires patience and perseverance. And Patience isn't an attribute that we aspire to. We're, we don't want to, oh, like, give me patience. Matter of fact, I, I tell people, don't ask God for patience, because I know how he gives it to you, right? Oh, God, give me patience. Okay, <laughs> uh, that's painful. Like, it, it's a painful process. He's going to give you patience anyway, by the way, just, just so you know, because it's a gift. And, um, and he's going to give it to you. The biblical word for, for this is uh, long-suffering, which is such a great word, right? Long-suffering, right? We wait for God and we suffer and it takes forever. But the truth is that we're not long-suffering towards God. God is long-suffering toward us. He's waiting on us. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on me. Second Peter three verses eight and nine says do not but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Do you hear that? He's patient with you. He's patient. He's waiting for you, not wanting anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for our righteousness. He's waiting for us to live out the gospel. He's waiting for us. The passage that we read earlier says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon had been waiting He'd been waiting for a long time. He's waiting for a promised Messiah, a Messiah that had been promised generations before. Note in the passage that his waiting isn't marked by anger or frustration or he's not pouting or complaining or he he doesn't doubt, he doesn't stop believing, He, he waits. He's waiting for a Messiah to come promised thousands of years before his waiting is interesting because it's marked by two very different things it's marked by righteousness and devotion that's what the passage said it's marked by righteousness and devotion righteousness is living a life that honors god's law that honors god's way it's a it's a life that's marked by love and not simply duty. See, Simeon is a a good man, a religious man, a a, a guy we like. He accepts righteousness as as his uh, God's, but he, it's not this like righteousness that comes out of him. It's a righteousness of God that he accepts. He chooses to believe and trust in God. And to live out those beliefs, righteousness is a is what marked his life. He's honoring God with who he is, and then devotion. It says he's also devoted. Right? We do our devotions. Some of us. Um, I I always think that's interesting. It's an interesting choice. I'm going to do my devotions. Like I'm not regularly devoted, but now I'm going to go be devoted for. 20 minutes while I read scripture and pray or whatever it is, right? We do devotions. Devotions, however, really do have something to do with intentionality. Like he's intentionally living towards God. There's an intentionality towards it. He, he's doing the law. He's keeping the law as best he can. He's doing what he knows honors God. And then there's an, uh, an element of intensity to that, of passion. He's passionate about God. Devotion has to do with both of those things, intentionality and then intensity with passion. He waits, and he, but he has a waiting with, with purpose. Purpose. John 4, verse 34, Jesus says to his disciples, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to complete his work. That intensity, that intentionality of devotion, Jesus is devoted to doing what God's called him to do and he's living the perfect life, honoring God's law. What happens is God doesn't leave us one of the one of the outcomes of living a righteous life and being devoted to god is is that we begin to grow into the sense in, in sensitivity to the spirit of God. Simeon is in in tune with the spirit the spirit it's interesting to me because we we often people say well god." told me or i heard from god or i think god's saying i should um we kind of take that to extremes you know uh, i think sometimes like you know I, I i can't decide god's not making it clear to me whether i should buy the red car or the white car and it's just like buy a car you know like it, it doesn't have to be one or, you don't have to fret about this i love asking people how do you hear from god how do you hear from god is it a voice in your head? Is it from reading scripture? Is it from the people around you? How, how do you hear that? One of the outcomes of living righteously and being devoted to God is, is being sensitive to the Spirit. And Simeon is in tune with the Spirit, and the Spirit comes on him and works the fruit of righteousness in him, and the Spirit does the same thing for us we become more and more filled with spiritual fruit <coughs> with grades like these i'd suggest you drop out of school stop hanging around with the wrong start h- hanging around with the wrong crowd and begin looking for trouble right <coughs> This is the kind of guidance that we get in this world, right? And, and, and the Spirit comes to guide us, to guide us into righteousness, to gri- guide us into faithfulness, to guide us into good things. And the Spirit does that um, by indwelling us and giving us what are called the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22-24 through 24 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things, there is no law. One of the ways to check your own devotion, your own following of, of God, is is to look deeply at yourself. Are, are you becoming more and more loving? Are you becoming more kind? Are you more gentle, more forbearing? Are you more filled with joy and peace? Are you growing in faithfulness and self-control? These measures are available to all of us. When, When the Spirit indwells us, and that happens, by the way, when you give your life to Christ, when you say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, the, the Spirit comes in you and begins to work this. You don't have a lot of choice. Matter of fact, you don't have a lot of choice because the Spirit is the one who makes you come alive, <laughs> right? Like, it's not like, oh, I think I'm going to go uh, decide to follow God. No, the only reason you can say that is because God comes in you and empowers you to do that. Um, we're dead. Scripture says we're dead in our sin. That means we don't have the capacity to make ourselves come alive. We don't get to resurrect ourselves. Jesus, the Spirit comes, sends the Spirit, and the Spirit comes in us and resurrects us and then fills us, and we begin to do those good deeds. We were dead in sin, but God breathes life in us and we're trained in righteousness, and we remain devoted to him and his ways, we become more and more like Jesus. But of course we're sinners, right? We mess it up. But the Spirit is in us and at work in us. So the Spirit in us is a huge part, but the Spirit also comes on us. It can and does come on us. The Spirit comes on Simeon. That we—that means that he's empowered to, to see what he couldn't normally see or do what he normally couldn't do. Um, the Spirit reveals the truth of who this little baby is. Simeon can't possibly know that this is the Messiah on his own. <laughs> He doesn't know that unless the Spirit reveals it to him. Be it, being attuned to the Spirit is something that is available to us. You want to hear from the Spirit? I had a fascinating experience when, when I was in Denver, Colorado many years ago, um, where a guy was... Talking about being filled with the Spirit and and having the Spirit come on us, and he said, in whatever way you're comfortable, ask, and for the Spirit to come on you in power to do that which you cannot do. And so I did. We just prayed. It wasn't you know, it was just in a hotel room, um, and I had this incredible encounter with God. To do that, you have to invite the Spirit to interfere with you, right? Because I have my plans, right? I, how, do you, how do you get the Spirit to come on you or invite the Spirit to come on you? Well, you, you invite His interference. You invite Him to mess with your life because your life is going to change. When the Spirit comes on you in power, the Spirit will do the work that it's going to do. That was a hard thing. That's actually a hard prayer to pray. Spirit, come on me to do that which you would have me do, right? So first, you invite him to interfere in your life. Second, you seek his guidance. That's what this part is. You ask him to guide you, to show you truth. And then third, you you submit to that wisdom. You submit to who the Spirit is. And then finally, you trust the truth that he offers. Simeon, empowered by the Spirit, can wait for the Messiah. He's capable of doing that, not because he's this really patient man, but because he's empowered by the Spirit, and so he can wait for the Messiah, and he can also recognize the Messiah because the Spirit comes on him to recognize that. He submits to the guidance of the Spirit, even though it's difficult to imagine that he would be permitted to not die until the Messiah appeared. But the Messiah has come. He's holding this baby. And he refers to it in the passage, it's referred to as the consolation of Israel. When we think of consolation, we kind of think of a consolation prize, right? It's the prize that the loser gets for just trying, right? I got lots of consolation prizes. It's kind of like a participation ribbon for some of you, right? You didn't actually win, and you didn't finish second or third. You didn't get one of the colorful ribbons. You got the little yellow participation ribbon, but jesus isn't a participation ribbon he's not he's not he 's not this sort of okay, you can have this um, as a consolation. The consolation has a whole different meaning here um, the do I make you happy i don't do happiness. But if it's any consolation, you make me less miserable. Okay, uh, <clears throat> that's, not, that's not the consolation. What the consolation of Israel is, is that we're being consoled by God, the God of the universe. Our sin has destroyed the relationship, and, and so there's no consolation. We have trouble in this world. We have pain and suffering and struggle and hurt and loss, and all that is real. And God sends his consolation. He sends his comfort. That's what the Spirit does. The Spirit comes and brings us comfort. That's another name for the Holy Spirit is the Comforter. He's our guide and he's our Comforter. He's And so He's he comes, the Spirit of God comes on us and Jesus comes to us as the consolation. So Simeon's holding this little baby and this little baby is, the one. John fourteen sixteen through 18 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The Spirit is here. The Spirit is in this room. The Spirit of God is in this room, in us, all around us, calling to us. God doesn't leave us as orphans. He doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't leave us in our trouble and in our suffering and in our struggle and in our pain. He doesn't leave us hopeless. He leaves us with The Spirit. He loves us and cares about us and thinks about us. And he's revealed the Messiah to us. The Messiah comes as a revelation, a revelation of God's plan and purpose, a revelation that provides life to Jew and Gentile alike. That's what the passage said. A revelation that brings both hope, however, and division, because that's the nature of what God offers. The Messiah is light and life is found in him, but, but also darkness is revealed in him. The truth is revealed. The truth forces us to choose. For Simeon, the truth is clear. This is the Messiah. It is the consolation. And in the light of that reality, Simeon is grateful And he actually stands ready to die. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. He says that with joy. I love that part of the passage. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Death is no longer, the great enemy is no longer something that he fears because he knows God's goodness. What if I told you that red dot is controlled by human? Right? There's this whole upside-down world that we're invited into, this whole new reality, a reality we can't comprehend. It's almost as if this whole coming of the Messiah has changed everything. Everything. As we wait for Christ's return, as we wait for him coming back, we can enjoy exactly what Simeon enjoyed. We too can live lives of righteousness and devotion. We can do that. We can enjoy the Spirit's presence. We can be comforted and consoled. We can live out the fruit of the spirit and the pleasure that that kind of living brings. We can wait with confidence. We can live in anticipation. No longer, how long? It, no matter how long it takes. It's taken a long time, isn't it? <laughs> it's been two thousand years. It had been thousands of years that, since Genesis was written where Genesis made that first statement. Genesis 3.15 so, says that, that God is going to send someone to rescue. And then you wait and you wait and then a prophet comes and another prophet comes and kings come and more prophets come and and then there's 400 years of silence between the Testaments. 400 years of silence. And And then you have Simeon, who's waiting his whole life. Now, I'm pretty sure he didn't get up every morning and go, I'm waiting, hello, you know, Messiah, it's time. Um, But he's waiting in anticipation, in eager anticipation. And we can live in that same anticipation as we wait for Christ to come again. But we can't do that under our own power. We can't do that without the Spirit of God calling us to him. We can't live this kind of life that we're called to live. We can't do any of this. Simeon couldn't do that either unless he was empowered by God's Spirit. We do this only because of the work of that little baby that Simeon held in his arms. Right? This baby, the consolation of Israel, the one who saves us, Gentiles, Jews alike. Simeon held in his arms and called God's blessing. And that blessing, that baby truly is a blessing, blessed all of us and blesses us still as we wait. Any pushbacks, conversation, questions, thoughts? Rod, you're all wrong about this. I don't get the matrix picture very well. Nothing. I like it. All right. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, in this season we wait. We wait for you. Help us to live in eager anticipation for your return, Jesus. Comfort us in our sorrow. Help us to live out lives of righteousness and devotion. Build in us the fruit of your Spirit Come on us, Spirit, to do that which you call us to do. Help us to wait with confidence no longer how lo- no matter how long it takes. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.